podcast world back at you. Another episode. This life ain't for everybody. Brought to you by our friends, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels. You already know what Jack Daniels is and what they mean to all of our brands. We are truly humbled to be teamed up with Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I'm talking again to... I don't know if he's like becoming one of my favorites. I know that he's one of the most humble souls that I've met in the music industry, and he continues to stay humble. Um, I, I, I got to ask you real quick, though, Riley Green, do you ever partake in a Jack Daniels um, when you're like writing songs? Or is Jack one of those things that it's been written about so many times, but you try to alleviate what can happen on a Jack Daniels night the older that you get and the more mature you get into the country music world? You know, I, I don't know that mature is the right word. I don't know if I've hit that yet, but I'm definitely mindful, whereas I used to throw a lot more caution to the wind. You know, it's it's funny. I, I was uh, I, I, I'm, I always say I'm glad I didn't have the success I've got today when I was in my early mid-20s. I don't know what I've learned in that amount of time, but I have figured out that you can get in trouble, you know, especially in Nashville. It's a small town. You know, everybody kind of works with everybody, so – uh, we still, I, I'll fix me a, a Jack Daniels drink before I go on stage or, you know, uh, sitting around a uh, campfire. I think I do most of my drinking sitting around a, a hunting lodge. You know, that's some of the best times that I have now. And, and that's that's what I'm spending my time doing is getting back to that. You know, uh, it's it's a, it's a tough time not to be on the road. But, man, how amazing is it to be able to spend, spend time in the woods like I'm getting to this year? It kind of puts it into perspective in a lot of ways of – how lucky we were to go to a concert and like you're in you're in deer camp right now like can you imagine if it went that far like the the things that we take for granted i know that i know that you are a a man of words like you're a songwriter we are going to get into that but riley could you imagine if you could not go where you're sitting right now if that was taken away from us like your audience has been for the time being no I mean, it, what what would we do? I mean, it's uh, it it is a great. I mean, I'm I've definitely been wanting to try to find positives in in all the stuff going on, and obviously, time to go hunt. The opportunity to get back in the woods as much as I would like to is an amazing thing. But man, just just to, the ability to be able to stop and take in what all is going on in my life, music both musically and then just you know, uh enjoy time with family again, just being able to get back towards the house and, and just kind of appreciate it all. It's, uh, it's, it's been really a breath of fresh air. The last couple of years have been great in my career, but things have gone so well that it's just been kind of a blur, you know? So it's been really good to kind of sit back and go, man, I did play the Grand Ole Opry. I did play the Ryman stage, you know, had number one song and this and that. So it's a, it's a, it's, there's a lot of positives in it for me, especially as busy as, as my life's been over the last couple of years. How disciplined on you at letting your loved ones know how you feel about them? Because anybody can turn on a Riley Green song and hear you talk about a girl or a certain location in the South or an accent or a beach or the Florabama are you very vivid in your approach to your siblings and your mom and your dad and your aunts and your uncles and your friends on if you left this earth tomorrow, would they all know where you stand with them? I, I think they'd have to. I mean, and, and uh, to answer your question sort of straightforwardly is that I'm probably a lot better at putting into songs. 
than I am into words and just, you know, everyday conversation. But, you know, I'm not, I've never been good at calling people. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's why I couldn't keep a girlfriend. You know, she, I'd have a girl call me and go, man, like I, I haven't talked to you in a week. What's going on? I'm like, well, it's hunting season. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere in the woods. I haven't even talked to my mom this week, you know, but you know, at, at the end of the day, one thing that's, that I have to, aside from the support, you know, starting out in my music career, I have to attest to them is, is a lot of my success because they keep me so grounded going home. You know, nothing changes in that small town in Alabama where I'm from. Everything's the same. And, you know, it's still a big deal that the lady at Waffle House's daughter knows my music to my Uncle Wayne when he goes in there and drinks coffee and smokes cigarettes every day. He, you know, like that's what he tells me about. And uh, it just it reminds you kind of what's important. And, and uh, I've gotten to see a lot of the world, but the, the most important part to me is still in that little little town in Alabama. How How do you ride this line and i don't know if if what i'm about to say makes sense riley but and you tell me if you disagree but there is like different segment segments of country music and i've had this conversation with you before about how do you define your music because i i love it but it's not bro country it's not outlaw country it's not underground country it's on the top 40 radio it's on the highway it's commercialized but it's so rooted and so deep in your beliefs and you're not i I don't know if selling out is the right word that that country musicians do to where they go to that next point of becoming a monster or becoming what everybody wants them to be on music row but it's hard to define what riley green's music is when people say well He's Brent Cobb's not on the radio, but he's an unbelievable songwriter. Brent Cobb's good friends with Riley Green. They write together, but Riley Green is on the radio all the time. He's on award shows all the time. He's opening for Brad Paisley. He's doing all these things that you dream of. But how do you define the music? It's not bro country. It's not dancing on a tailgate in shorty shorts. It's like real. I'm trying to figure out how you're doing what you're doing and staying relevant when you're not really going to that side of what country radio has become. Does does the question make sense? It does. Uh, the, the very short answer to your question is I have no clue. I, I don't know what it is about some of my songs that, that people relate to so well, but a, a great example is Georgia Time. Uh, it's a song that is going to end up going gold this year. It's not on my debut album, my record label. It'll never be played on the radio. It's about a very small portion of the state of Alabama that's close enough to the Eastern Time Zone that they call it Georgia Time. So that regional of an idea, but they sing the song all over the country. And if I went into any record label in Nashville and tried to sign a record deal and play that song for them, they'd shrug their shoulders and go, I don't get it, and go on to the next person. So my point is something about me being from a small town in Alabama and just singing about how I grew up, I think a lot of people grew up the same way. And that's what's helped me a lot in my career, and it's kept me from – I, 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 I know what you're trying to say. Selling out maybe isn't the word, but it's kept me from trying to model my writing after things that are working on the radio. I never sat down and wrote, man, I want to write a song like the top 10 on the charts. Cause I'm trying to get on a chart. I never thought I'd be on the radio. So it just, it helped me stay true to what I was writing by having the goal of not necessarily radio play, but just to try to relate to my fans that I was seeing. And Brent Cobb's a great example because Brent Cobb doesn't have a song on the radio, but something about what he does is so cool to me. Adam Hood. I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, what we call underground country or outlaw country, uh, they're, they're writing things that they know about 
And I think that comes to, comes through to people. I think you hear that. I think you hear things that are, you know, I enjoy songwriters. I enjoy hearing a story of how somebody wrote a song. And when somebody lived what they're singing about, I think people can tell that. Well, you always hear the word influences kicked around in, in country music. Like who influenced Riley Green? Was it Waylon? Was it Don Williams? I'm sure you have a ton of them. I'm sure John Prine stays in there. I'm sure that that Dallas Davidson's in there. I'm sure the Georgia Peach Pickers are in there and, and Rhett and all of those guys. Let's talk about influences of today. Like who do you look at and go, man, I like what he's doing. Like, here's an example for you. I got in an argument the other day about Morgan Wallen, okay? Like, I'm like, I'm a fan of what Morgan does. I'm a fan of his approach. I'm a fan of his delivery. I thought that he wrote a bunch of the songs that I fell in love with in the very early stages of a career, but now I've learned that he's writing more now. Um, when you hear the name Morgan Wallen, is he a friend? Is he? Do you get influenced by somebody that's got kind of that unapologetic deal, but he has crossover into that poppy, you know, that like what Thomas Redd has done a little bit. How do you look at that? Do you look down at somebody that does that crossover or do you wish somebody like Morgan Wall would just stay country? Because I know that you run with Thomas Rhett too, and he has completely done the crossover, but he's still country. How do you look at guys like that as far as influence goes? You know, that's a sort of a tough thing. I'll give you an example of one that has definitely been an influence. And I would say it's because he's been around for so long, but John Party, I've been a fan of for a long time. And and, and for a modern-day answer of what, who influences on me is, I think John does a great job of being commercial, playing songs and writing songs that can be played on the radio and sound modern, but also have a little hint of that traditional sound to them. And that's a tough thing to do, to try to find that line and still be different enough, but still be commercial enough to get played on the radio. And as far as Morgan, yeah, me and Morgan are buddies, and and I'm a big fan of his music. There's a lot of stuff. The way I talk was one of the first songs I heard of Morgan. Just Love really it. loved it. He's got a great voice. He's got his own sound. I think that's one of the most important things you can be right now is different, have a different sound. Uh, but I think there's another part of me that feels like when when you see guys that are having success, you almost kind of want to have blinders on. Because you don't want to go and do what somebody else is doing. You don't want to go sound like somebody else. Because I think that's a lot of what Nashville has as a problem. I think you got guys that come to town. And I'm buddies with Sam Hunt. We, we played together several times, uh, Georgia Boy. And when he came into Nashville and he had that sound that was different than everybody else, and it's, a, it's a poppier sound. But you saw so many artists go, man, that's what he's doing is is, is really working. And whether that's true to them or not, it makes no difference is that you have to imagine people went, we got to do something like that. We've got to write a song like that. That's what's working right now. And it's not an artist's fault because you got record labels that do the same thing. Here's a good looking guy. He needs to dress like this. He needs to have songs like this. We're going to go get him rights with these guys that write songs that Sam Hunter singing. And that's, that's what happens. So I think the guys that you're talking about that have their, their own sound and, and a uniqueness about their music are guys that are, writing for themselves and not so much being too influenced by other things that are becoming popular. Cause it's always going to change. There's, there are several lanes of country music right now. So you said it's always going to change. Do you have a crystal ball Riley green of, could you sit here and tell me with confidence that somebody like Brent Cobb will be heard by the world in the next five years, <laughs> that style of songwriting 
and that legitimacy. Uh, like, is he going to pop? I don't know that it'll be heard on the radio, but uh, it'll it'll get heard. I mean, that's that's the positive thing about it now is there's so many ways for people to hear live music and people to find music. If it wasn't for you know Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, I would have never signed a record deal because I was there were people listening to my stuff on Spotify and I didn't even have Spotify. I didn't even know you could do that, you know. So uh, that technology is is what's allowed people like uh, Tyler Childers to to have a huge following and be able to go sell tickets in places and not have a song on the radio. And granted, Texas. Country has its own kind of radio station. I'm sure there's some places where that's played at, but that Brent Cobb type thing, uh, I just I feel like we just said it. I mean, we just brought up Brent Cobb's name four times in this conversation, and I'm calling it a Brent Cobb type thing. I mean, that's it's got a it's got a lane, you know. Uh, I think people will find it. I think there are enough people that appreciate it now. I also have called the this era that we're in the era that everybody wants to know about the guy nobody knows about first. Everybody wants to be the guy that tells everybody, hey, man, have you heard this dude right here yet? And and them say no and go, oh, man, check it out and play their whole playlist for him. And I'm sure you've done it. I've done it. And the first time I really noticed that was with Chris Stapleton because when he, when he got on the ACM Awards, I guess, when he performed with Justin Timberlake and blew up. And obviously Chris Stapleton's been around forever. I think uh, what he listened to was the first song I ever heard of his. You know, that was years ago. But as soon as he blew up, which seemed overnight, everybody and their mom had a, oh, man, I was listening to this dude way back. You know, like, I, and they wanted to tell you that. They wanted to be the, let you know they knew about him, you know. So I think Brent Cobb falls in that same category for me. Is like, I love to tell people about somebody like Brent Cobb. Uh, and I think people care more about the stories and the songs. Now, I think people care more about who writes these songs and how they wrote them. I think that's cool to people now. I think it's so cool to hear that because when I think about Stapleton and the steel drivers and going back and listening to like what he did with the Gary Allen hit of drinking dark whiskey or the, the Adele song or a bunch of the stuff that he was doing when nobody knew who he was. I didn't know who he was until I was sitting with Leith Lofton one day in Nashville. He's like, Hey man, Hoss, you need to check out these steel drivers. I'm like, man, who is that singing? And then I was just enamored by the voice. Then obviously what are you listening to comes on the radio? I think it didn't even break the top 40 barely. And, and then all of a sudden Traveler comes out and then the Timberlake thing breaks and you're just like, man, it, it, you saw people in that were staples in Nashville from Rascal Flats to Zach Brown to Luke Bryan in the audience watching him and Timberlake do their thing. And they're like, this is it. This is yeah. this is the real deal. But it's funny you talk about like how I am at a party and I'm like, hey, man, have you heard? have you heard this cat Brent Cobb and have everybody has caught on to what Chad like listens to as far as like when they're at my house. But when, when I, when I think about the guys that I've been listening to for years, I've always said, well, I just think that the world deserves to hear their music. And I don't know if I even have a voice in saying that, or if that sounds presumptuous when you hear me say that, Riley, but I want people to know that, that there is music out there that you might not necessarily hear just by listening to country radio per se, quote unquote right now. But that's where I was going with my question for you is that people have discovered you for years now. And here you are with number ones and you're on tour and you're doing the big things that Riley Green is doing. Do you 
do you have to sit there and pinch yourself that you are in a room with John party writing now and you are in a room with Brent Cobb writing now and like two years ago three years ago you've said it before on this podcast of like man my life has been a blur do you have to slow down and pump the Riley Green brakes on your convertible of being like oh shit man I'm I'm riding with like Brent Cobb is a magician with songwriting like do you have to pinch yourself because I know he's pinching himself riding with you I've heard what Brent Cobb says about you right here on this podcast like do you still have to consistently slow down and be like holy shit i need to breathe right now man it's uh it's funny that 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 comparison comes in because i can honestly tell you that in some of the the crazy things that have happened to me over the last couple of years some of the biggest feeling things i mean the coolest things to me are it's like adam hood came in and opened for me in birmingham the other day you know Brent Cobb and Adam and, and uh, Scott Taylor come down. Eric Dillon came down to my house and wrote and played at the music hall that my great grandparents' house used to be. I mean, stuff like that is, uh, you know, that's what makes it fun for me. Obviously, you know, going on a big tour, getting in front of crowds, that stuff is is great and, and and number ones are great and it helps me have a career to where I don't have to go back and put a tool belt on anymore. But those moments of being around guys that I appreciate what they do as songwriters. That's really meaningful for me. And, and also it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a, a pat on the back, I guess, that I get to ride with those guys. You know I mean? For me to, for some reason, the, the validation from somebody like Brent Cobb means a lot to me, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a cool thing that I get to go write songs with those guys. And it's exciting because, you know, when I, when I get in my truck and leave that ride, that's probably who's going to play on the radio anyway. And on my phone, you know? So, that's just a cool feeling. It just uh, makes you want to, you know, keep trying to get better as a songwriter. Adam Hood came out here last week to play my birthday party for me. He flew in and uh, he sat in this podcast studio with me and told me a story of for two hours leading up to him going on stage to open for you at your grandparents, your great grandparents place. He said that he was more nervous than he's ever been in his career. He cannot quit texting his wife on what the heck was going on in his head. He'd played this area of the country so many times. He feels like it's his backyard, but something about the Riley Green mystique and the whole aura of what you were doing down there. And you'll hear it. I mean, I'm not making this up. Adam Hood said that he had never been that nervous. And he's been out with Miranda. He's written with some of the biggest people in in Nashville on 16th and 17th Avenue Music Row, Riley Green. And he says that he could barely get a breath in and he had to have his wife calm him down before he went on stage that night. What the heck's going on with that? I mean, it's Adam Hood. The dude is a magician with words and his delivery is amazing. I have no idea. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's news to me. I mean, it, it was, uh, I was probably the same way me being on stage with Adam and Brent, you know, or, uh, just like I said, the cool thing about those guys and, and you know, this as well as I do is, they're great dudes. I mean, it's, it's just t- the top people that you immediately become friends with when you meet. And, uh, you know, it, you could, you could hate their music and like them. And that's, that's the great thing about them. So they're great hanging. I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm fortunate they'll, they'll, uh, still write with me and hang out with me and play shows with me. That's, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Is it safe to say, or can we expect a collaboration or a song on an upcoming Riley Green album that was co-written or co-pinned in one of these rights that you're talking about with these guys? I would say so. Yeah, uh, we, we wrote a song a few weeks ago called uh, I Let a Damn Good Woman Leave that 
I just really dig. And I think I may have put a video out of me playing it a little bit acoustic and it it's really kind of took off. We got a bunch of views on YouTube and all that. And, and, and I pay a lot of attention to that. You know what I mean? Obviously what songs are going to work on the radio or one thing and the record label kind of knows that. But for me, writing a song, playing it live, seeing what the response is from fans is the biggest, you know, it's the biggest judge I can get. So off the top of your head, before we move on to your new music, can you give me an example of both of the artists that we just touched on Adam hood and, and, and Brent Cobb, Adam hoods from your home state of Alabama. Brent Cobb is from Georgia. If you could go into their library and pick one song of each, do you have one off the top of your head that you would cut that has always gave you that feeling of, wow, man, what the lyric, the the feeling that Riley Green gets when he hears them deliver it? Would you, do you know of a song that you would cut out of their libraries? And I know I'm putting you on the spot and I don't expect you yeah, to answer, uh, but. Yeah. Uh, Digging Holes, Brent Cobb, the first time I heard that song, I just thought, man, why did I not think of that? Just a great idea. The song's awesome. I think he was doing it on the Fireside Sessions, sitting out there like they're all from the 70s, you know? Uh, and Adam Hood, I think, uh, Tennessee Will, my favorite oh. Adam Hood song. What a great song. Awesome idea. And, it, and you know, it's it's definitely better than, than, than I could have done it, but it sounds like something that I would have written. That's what I love about it. It sounds like something, you know, the Mississippi River won't carry me to you, but the Tennessee will. That's just an awesome. Can you line. can you can you give me the first line out of that song, please, Riley Green? Can Blind you do it? man on an old upright piano? Man. Oh man, right. I just and I think the first stuff. first time I ever heard that song was a video of him playing it like at somebody's birthday party or something, sitting in their living room on YouTube, and that you know that's how I found a lot of the artists that I listen to, and and uh, I, something about even songs I hear on the radio that I think are great, well written songs. I immediately go find a video on YouTube of them singing it broken down acoustic, no lights, no production and listen to them tell a story about it, you know? And then that just, it makes me not a fan of the song, but a fan of the artist. And I think that's what those guys are so good at doing. When, when I hear you talk like that, first of all, the, have you listened to the Charlie Argo version of Tennessee Will yet that he just released? He just cut that with that um, on his new album, and he's a he's a blues guy. But I don't know if do you know who Charlie Argo is? Check him out. Like when we get off, just listen to that version. He just he just released it as his new single, Tennessee Will. Um, I want to touch on one more songwriter that I assume is an influence of Riley Green, and tell me what you think of this man. Um, another guy that I look at like. Man, how do not more people know who Chris Knight is? Are you a fan of Chris Knight? And when you hear a song like, like, um, l let me just name a couple that just blow my mind. Um, Rural Route, yes, Rural Route, like, is like Brent Cobb says it's one of the best songs ever written. Nothing on me, um, enough rope. Travis Denning has come. Travis Denning has come on this podcast and talk about how if you listen to the way that he constructed enough rope, that it's one of the best country songs ever written. I know that this is all opinion, but when you hear songs like Rural Route, like I get goosebumps thinking about Penny and looking for her brother, and, and Chris Knight just going, "Well, guess I better go." Like he, it's so vivid in my mind of these conversations taking place, and I get that when you're talking to the girl in the Southern accent about Georgia time and in a a lot of the vividness of a Riley Green song, you have to find influence in these storytellers like Chris Knight. But a lot of the world doesn't know who Chris Knight is unless you're in Kentucky or George or Texas. He's an honorary Texan now. Isn't it crazy to you, Riley Green, that those songs are not 
captivating people all over the world on a daily basis when you hear a Chris Knight tune laid down? Chris Knight, uh, I really wish that I could, I could explain why something like Becky's Bible or, or enough rope makes me feel a certain way when I hear it. It's almost a sad feeling. And I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of the old sad country songs and it's so different than a George Jones tear jerking type song, but, uh, how he says things, and uh, Robert Orkin's another one. I feel like I'm there, and it's so simple. It's literally just how they would say it. And I, I, I don't know that I, I'll ever be able to write a song like that. But I always try to go in a right when we, when we come up with a line that, that just sings great, it rhymes great, it makes sense, it's catchy, whatever it is. But I want to say it in a way that's conversational that I would actually say it. You know, and, and and it's 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 a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to bring yourself back to that. And and co-writing is amazing, and you get to write with some great writers. But not everybody says things the way you would, or hears things the way you would. And Jamie Johnson gave me some really good advice. We were down in Belize at my, my buddy's bar down there, and uh, we were talking about writing. And he was kind enough to say he would write with me, you know, whatever. And he he how we got on the topic, I don't know, but he said that he keeps some ideas for himself. That he know, like if he comes up with an idea and he knows kind of what he wants it to be, that he won't go write that with anybody else because he knows that it could get turned into something else. And I remember him telling me that, and it wasn't too long after that that I wrote the title down when my granny Lennon passed away for I Wish Grandpa's Never Died. And I remember thinking, man, who should I write this with? And I was thinking about one of my favorite guys is Randy Montana, Jonathan Singleton I write with a lot. And I just thinking about some of these guys, I thought, man, I just – Maybe this is one I, I write myself. You know, maybe it's maybe this is that song for me. And, you know, not that it couldn't have been written with anybody, that it couldn't have been a great song with anybody else, but there, there's something to that. There's something to the way those guys say things and and that's it, just different. I mean, the best word I can use to describe is just different. There's nothing else that sounds like Chris Knight to me. And that's that's why he's not the most popular guy in the world, but the people that know him, I always say there's those songs that covers if you can play a cover in your show that is, you know, it's not the, the friends in low places, everybody in there's not going to know it, but the ones that do, and you play Chris Knight in a show, they lose their mind in the back, you know, and that's the type of fans he has. That's the type of fans that country music guys in Texas have those Texas guys. They have diehard fans, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, the people that are just so proud to know this artist. And that's the, I think that's the era that we're in, you know, it's so interesting to hear you say about the deliver the delivery and keeping it for yourself because when you think about the cuts that somebody like Brent has, he's never had a hit as far as like tailgate blues with Luke or this Leanne or, you know, Leanne did shine on rainy day. And when I hear her yeah. do it, when I hear her do it and I Leanne Womack is a goddess to me. Like when she was hot, like when she was doing her thing, but when I hear her do that, Riley straight up, it doesn't hit me. Like when Brent does it, when I hear Brent hit that line about stuck yeah. in life's crazy glue, you might as well just put a fork in me. I'm done. I'll be teared up. And I'm a 45 year old man teared up. Just sitting there going, Oh my gosh. And that's what I think music is supposed to do but I don't get it when somebody else delivers it so when you talk about grandpa's never die I don't know if you would have got the same out if that if you did a co-write and that you didn't cut that song and somebody else did whether it was Morgan or John Party or somebody 
it probably wouldn't have that same feeling as Riley Green put on it because of what you were feeling when you wrote it. So I think that when you start talking about Chris Knight laying it down, I don't know if anybody's ever made a hit out of a Chris Knight. I heard somebody, and I can't recall, you might know who did It Ain't Easy Being Me, but I for sure didn't get the same feeling that I get when Chris delivers it. When I hear him say stuff like, caught a 22 bullet in the thigh last night trying to break up a barroom fight went home and dug it out with my old case knife i sit there and go holy shit like that is as cool as songwriting gets and it's so simple like the way you just described it but isn't that what you're doing that goes back to how we started this riley green is like you're doing that you're putting this simple lyric in a time where people want to discover these artists and say i was listening to riley green on spotify way before any i knew him when he just had a halo hat on and was just duck man you know i knew riley green way back in the day you're doing that in a time where things are so commercialized and things are so pop and things are so segmented people are like well Kane Brown's not country well how do you know he's not country he's on country radio you don't know how that man grew up you don't know the song he's writing you're doing that to where people are saying this Riley Green's country is a biscuit. Riley Green's not selling out. Riley Green is telling a story. So in a way, like you are, you are carrying on that torch of the Brent Cobbs, the Adam Hoods, the Chris Knights. And that's where I was kind of going with my questioning is like, you're doing it in a way that people are trying to figure out how is he doing that when he's, he's not bro country. He's not selling out. He is staying as country as you possibly can get. And you're getting radio play it, it, it in a way. It's kind of a, uh, what what is the word like a unicorn kind of deal to where how how is it happening Riley you're really staying true in that simple format of songwriting and not giving people exactly what Music City wants you to be in my opinion. Uh, well, I mean, the simple way to put it is, I think a song has to sound a certain way to get put on the radio. Uh, I heard a guy say one time that for a song to get played with a Carrie Underwood song and a Luke Bryan song and a Blake Shelton song. And this is not a negative thing about those people, but they say it has to sound somewhat like those. There is a sound on country radio and that sound changes over the years, but I wish grandpa's never died would come on the radio and it didn't sound like anything else on the radio. I mean, just, it just, it didn't, it sounded like an old country song and you know, that's, it's, it's not for everybody. Uh, I think there is a little bit of a sway back towards the traditional sound. I think people kind of miss a little bit of that. And I think maybe that's why I have a career it is because it's, it's swaying that way a little bit. But at the end of the day, I just think that I, I, I would like to have, you know, uh, five songs that were completely true to me and that were those type of songs that made somebody feel a certain way that maybe didn't weren't a big hit on the radio. You know, uh, those songs make give me more fans than 20 number ones will. And, and that's just, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I think that, I think that, you know, the problem comes for a lot of people is, is getting too caught up in, and it's Nashville's not the right term, but that's what I call it, is the music business, the music industry thinking, man, I've got to be doing this, so-and-so's doing this, this is working for them, blah, blah, blah. And I think just write songs. Write songs about how you live and, and what is important to you and, and go play them. Record them. See what people think about them. I mean, as long as you don't change what you're doing, you're not going to put a bad song out. It might not be a hit, but, you know, I think that's what – I don't think Chris Knight worried about a radio hit when he wrote. I don't think Brent Cobb – I mean, I'm sure he'd like to have a cut from so-and-so, and he will. But I don't think he worries about it. I think he goes and writes what he thinks and feels, Adam, all those guys, and that's what's cool about him. 
And I think that's what's missing in some scenarios on country radio. So when, when you see a shirt on a Brent Cobb merch stand that says country music for grown folks, does that make sense to you? And where do you fit in on that bracket of, do you want to write for all different generations or what is Brent trying to say of that? And would he categorize, categorize your music as country music for grown folks because of what you just said, when grandpa's came, comes on the radio, you sit there and go, man, that's, that's a, that's a heartfelt old style country song. It doesn't sound like everything that just played before it. Well, here, here's one thing. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a literal meaning to it. I mean, for grown folks, he's talking about people that grew up in an era it was different than the era we're in now. Uh, I learned a lot of the music that I know from my dad. I learned Roy Acuff from my granddad. I learned a lot of the things that I know in life from my granddad. I think now we're in an era where you don't go ask an 80 something year old person that's been alive and probably lived through it, how to do something. They Google it now. So there's a little bit of a literal sense to what age you're in and what, how we grew up as a generation. I went to school during the day and I worked with my dad during the summer. I don't, I don't remember. I don't see kids doing that now. They, I mean, if you want to play baseball in college, you got to play baseball year round. You know, I played three sports because I thought, man, if I play all of them, maybe I'd be good at one. A lot of things have changed over the years. So point being, you know, I'm 32 years old. I grew up different than some of these kids that are in their early twenties, how they find music's different now. You know, uh, the other side of it is, is there, there is a sound that makes me feel a certain way, whether it be a steel guitar or a fiddle or, or just a, you know, that sad tone that, that George Jones has. There are people that don't know that, you know, and that will never know that. So, you know, I, I tell people all the time that 90s country to me is 2000s country to these kids at my shows, you know. And, and so we're, when I go on stage and I go, hey, man, y'all watch this to my band. They don't know what I'm about to play. And I start swimming all wind and I think we're about to crush. And there's a bunch of people in the front going, <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, that's what's what it is. Time they don't know who you know? John Anderson is. You're saying, you know, I mean, I, so the, I think there is a little bit of a literal sense to the, the t-shirt. When you, when you think of somebody like your friend, Drake white, and he wrote a song with uh, a, fr- a good friend of mine that also came out with Adam hood for my birthday, Leith Lofton, they wrote a song called 50 years too late, a modern day, John Wayne got my daddy's last name. You've heard that song. You're shaking your my head for the people you're, you're shaking your head for the people that aren't watching this on YouTube. Do you wish you would have grown up in a different era of country music, Riley Green, or are you glad to be doing it in 2020? Not not what you grew up with your influences, but actually performing these songs. Do you wish you were singing these songs for a Johnny Paycheck, Don Williams, David Allen Coe audience? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I would have stood out in any sense back then, uh, but I, I'm I'm happy to have somewhat of an opportunity to be able to go and, and share a little bit of what my granddaddy told me was country music and what he told me was a good song and something in that I took and went, man, like I can, I can honestly tell you that I can see me going to some kid and say, Hey man, check this out. Me playing, uh, still doing time by George Jones and him just going. Yeah. You know, but, but it means something to me. And for whatever reason, whether it be because I, it reminds me of a time when I was a kid with, with my granddaddy or whatever it was. And, and I don't know. I don't know what it is, but 
there are songs like that that will never mean anything to this younger generation. And and for me to be able to put a little bit of that, even just a little bit of the music I put out and possibly get some of it put on the radio, that's a, it's a huge opportunity for me, you know. Riley, do you think about what grandpa or dad would say when you're in that single, that, that day of, um, I guess it would be called the decision day of what, what, ne- what single is going to be released next for Riley Green, um, which 10 songs are going to be chosen for this album. Obviously, your producer, your record label has say in this. Um, do you sit there and say, well, what would Grandpa say before I put these songs on my album? What would Grandpa think if before this one goes to radio where the masses hear it? Do you, is that idea in your head when, when things are going on business-wise? I think that idea is in my head when I write songs. Uh, I really try to model all of my business decisions being, being what I cut uh, after what, what fans are saying, you know, and, and, you know, it's just like we said, there are fans that still love that Chris Knight stuff. And I think it's, it's probably more popular now than it was 10 years ago. You know I mean? I think that people are going and finding this stuff now and they appreciate the lyrics a lot more. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I, I keep, my granddaddy and mine, I'm going to do a lot of writing. And and I, I th- and like I said, there's a line. There's a line somewhere in the middle of me going and playing a old tear-jerking Conway Twitty song versus me playing something that's going to work on radio and and trying to find that line and tugging and pulling each way when you write it, I think, is the, the most important thing. And and, and I think as, if, as long as it's true to you as a person and, and your values, fans will sniff it out pretty quick. And they'll let you know. They will. So – how thick is your skin when it comes to letting you know when you face the critics? Um, do you have this same mindset of when I write, I know what my positioning is. And then when I make my business decisions, I know what my positioning is. Do you ever wear it on the chin, Riley? Do you ever go back to that coach telling you that you just ran the wrong route, getting on you, making you feel a little bit lesser of a person for a mistake you made in your competitive world? Do you wear it on the chin or is it a grain of salt now? How do you take on the critics when it comes to your career and your music and your library now? Uh, I, I think what helps me a lot is that I don't get really high on my stuff. I don't think I've I've ever written a song with man. That's the greatest song ever. You know, I've always wanted to to write songs that people could appreciate. I think one thing that helped me a lot in my career was my live shows where we did a good job and we entertained people. And I think that's because I didn't think I was a super talented songwriter or super talented singer, which I really don't think I'm either one of those now. I think I've just been good enough to get by, and I think I've learned from playing a lot of shows. I think I've learned what works. I think I've learned what lines mean something with people and, and what way of saying things. And, and, and I try to model myself after what, what has been successful playing for my fans. And, uh, you know, the other side of that is I'm, I'm a little bit stubborn. I've got a little bit of that. You know, you, you get on Twitter and look and somebody's bad mouthing something that I came up with. I'm just kind of like, who are you? You know, I mean, the, hey, I still get to make a living playing the same guitar, you know. I mean, so it's – I play guitar and, and people still show up for whatever reason. So I, it's really hard to get down on something somebody says uh, because, you know, there are some people that still that still like it for some reason. So is any part of your life personally a roller coaster emotionally, Riley? Do you go through ups and downs, peaks and valleys as popular as you are, as you're quoted as being – 
the one of the best looking guys in country music. He Riley Green is this. He who said uh, that Brent Cobb? <laughs> <laughs> I will ask him. He probably. Did. But do you go through? stresses Riley Green or is it all just cherries all the time now that you're here or do you still get affected by things in life do you fall in love you fall out of love do you get hurt do you get stung like what is it you're not invincible right there's a, there I mean it, obviously I've got ups and downs like everybody else does there's there's definitely a, a little bit of a numbing to the lifestyle change that I've had. I mean, you know, to, to have the amount of highs that I've had over the last couple of years, they, they become a little bit blurred together and you really don't have time to sit and appreciate them. So I don't get real emotional. Uh, there are moments, you know I mean? Playing at the Ryman with my, my granddaddy and my, my grandmother's there and me getting to introduce them and my granddaddy thinking I was telling him to stand up and him standing up in there for no reason. I mean, a little stuff like there were some great moments in my career that, that, and those moments will get to you. There are moments on stage when people are singing my songs and, you know, it gets to you, but you know, I just, it's, it's hard to really sit here and try to be down. I, I mean, I get to play and, and sing for a living. I get to tell stories about my life and people are enjoying it, you know, seemingly. So, you know, yeah, it, there's, there's not a lot of downs for me right now. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, a 160 slips by and just skirts the field that I'm bow hunting <laughs> at about 65 yards and, and goes after a doe, you know, that's, that's a down. I probably have that the next couple of days, but, uh, I think that one thing that I've tried to get better at is living in the moment. And it's a tough thing to do when you have so many moments when there's so much going on, because, you know, two years ago I woke up in the morning and went to, went to work, built houses all day. And my thought process was, man, if I can just make it to break at nine o'clock, you know, I had that sandwich that I made. And then it was, if I can make it to lunch, we'll probably go to Cecil's or the rocket and get some barbecue. And then it was like, man, if I can just make it to three or so, I'll get off. And that was how simple my life was. It's a little different now. So, you know, your, your worries and your, and your mindset changes pretty dramatically with a lifestyle change like that. But at the end of the day, to sit back and go take a breath, man, this is what's going on. This is where I'm at. It's pretty cool. It's hard to be too upset. Do you ever, if, have you ever faced your close knit people? I often think about when you're coming up, you're just, you're Riley, the duck man, <clears throat> you know how to treat people. You're a well-mannered person. Did you ever encounter close friends or people that you thought were your friends that changed when that two years ago, when that change happened to you, did it change the way anybody that you thought was unbreakable in your circle? Did you ever experience anything where you're like, Whoa, I didn't expect that out of you. You know, I, I, I really don't think so. And, and I think probably if I had to attest that to anything, it would be that my success was really gradual, especially in their eyes. Somebody in Minnesota that never heard of me and then heard there was this girl on the radio and then heard I wish grandpa's never died, saw me on the ACM awards, winning an award. It was overnight success. But for them, it was, I could sell out the Mexican joint in Jacksonville. And then I could sell out the barbecue restaurant in Gaston. And then it was Birmingham. We went and sold a couple hundred tickets. Then it was, we sold a couple of thousand. Then it was Georgia, Mississippi. And then it was a song. So it, it was gradual enough for them for the same reason that I don't feel like I'm some special person. It, it wasn't overnight. There was, you, you, you learn that, yeah, there's a lot of really cool things about what's going on in my life. And it is a big deal to a lot of people, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, I'm still the same person. I'm just, uh, my, I'm playing for a few more people on Friday, Saturday night than I was a few years ago. Do you ever feel like with everything being a blur and I, and I'm asking this because I've personally felt this, 
to where will any of the important things pass a guy like Riley Green up? Like, you're 32. Like, shouldn't you be married with a couple kids running around the baseball field right now? Like, I know that you got good buddies that are 32 back in Georgia and Alabama that are at Little League practice. Do you ever think about, like, should I get started on that part of my life? Or are you more organic, Riley Green, of like, hey, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But you've already admitted on this podcast that you're not good at calling and keeping a girlfriend. So does that ever worry you that you might be lonely in this success? I I don't think it worries me. But, uh, you know, I'm not really the type of person that lets myself worry too much anyway. I've got a very, you know, things happen for a reason type mindset. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career if it wasn't for me being single guy and having the time to go do what I'm going to do. I mean, hunting, uh, you know, there's a portion of that that's helpful to my career. You know, I mean, people expect that type of thing out of me. And uh, it's no different than me being able to tell a record label, yeah, I'll go do this show and so on. So I know I just get off the road from a 12 day run, but yeah, I can go do this. And uh, the relationships I've, I've made from being able to jump on a plane and go do this or that or whatever there's, there's a lot that's, that's helped my career because of that. And I just think my lifestyle is going to have to change so dramatically for me to be able to, you know, settle down and start a family that I just, I really owe it to myself to kind of keep my nose down and grind for, you know, two or three years and and really try to get as much as I can to kind of ring out this career. And that's kind of been my mindset. You know, when I decided I'd sign a record deal in 2018, uh, I really just told myself, look, just keep your nose down and stay after it go get all you can out of it for two, three years. And then you can kind of slow down and take a step back and, and try to enjoy it, you know, and uh, obviously wouldn't be retiring, but whereas I might go play 140 shows a year, knock it down to about 80, you know, and, and take that time for yourself. And uh, I think that that's, that's kind of been my mindset. Just nose to the grindstone. Maybe three years comes around a girl catches your eye now at the same time is there a fear in your heart at all about will it ever get back to what we had what we called normal because i loved the ability to go to a concert and hold a cold beer and watch Riley Green on stage seeing grandpa's I wish grandpa's never died or there was this girl I I cherish those fo- I almost I bet you I took it for granted because now here I am in almost November of 2020 this happened you know shutdown happened March 17th around there when I was at spring training in Arizona it's still going on Riley it's still here. Like, uh, do you get scared that the new norm is here and that you might not ever get to see that again? Or are you so optimistic that you know that it's coming back? It, it'll be back, man. There's a, I mean, from a business mindset, there are too many people losing way more money than I am for it not to come back. I mean, obviously I can't go play shows like I'd like to, but I can go play a cut down 5,000 cap venue when go put 500 people in or a thousand or 1500 or whatever i go play outdoor amphitheater cut down but there are people that you can't go put jason out in a 20,000 seat arena and it costs so much for these big time artists to go play a show that they can't make it make sense to go do a show cut down so business mind there are too many people in too many industries losing way too much money for it not to get back to normal and that's just from a music entertainment standpoint the other side of it is, is I don't see people carrying on with their lives in such a miserable way when you can't go fellowship with other people. I don't see that happening. 
I really don't. People are not going to spend their lives like that. I don't know if it's, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if it's a, you know, the vaccine or it, I, I don't know how it will happen, but we're just going to get back to some kind of normal. I feel that. Where do you hope it happens for you first? I know that our time is coming to an end. I know that you got to get across the border. I get it. I know that you're going to another state. <laughs> you're chasing bone right now. You're getting some bucks on the ground. Um, where do you, where do you want it to be? Like if you had your pick, where's the audience at? Are you a supporting? Are you headlining? What would that ultimate show be of like when it's kind of somewhat back to normal where it's not a cut down show as you describe it? Well, the last show I played was on the beach in front of the floor of Bama for about 5,000 people. It wouldn't be a bad place to kick it back off at, you know, with some, with some uh, 90 degree weather down there with a margarita sitting on the beach with a, about five, 6,000 of my closest friends down there. That's, that's a pretty good spot. Adam Hood opened that show for me. Uh, the Ryman would be a bad spot. Man, I'd play anywhere right now. They put a stage in front of Kentucky Fried Chicken in Jacksonville, Alabama. I'd go play on it. We're we're not going to call many gigs this time of the year. <laughs> I like the call. Uh, it, it's a uh, what is so special about that place, Riley? The floor of Bama. Why is it so cool? You know, it's the same reason that those old songs mean something to me. I went there as a kid. My folks used to take me in there. I watched that place when it was just a tent over the stage. You know, and I used to go listen to guys tell stories about how they wrote songs and 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 watch people enjoy the story as much as they did the song. And I got to sit there in the audience and watch that. I learned how to, how to play a show out there watching big girls sing dirty songs. Uh, you know, and, and, and I got to watch how the crowd reacted to certain things they did on stage and how it was almost comical. You know, some of the things I just, there's a moment for that in a show. There's a moment for, Hey, y'all hold your beer up and here's sweet home Alabama. And there's a moment to tell it, to, to tell a story and sing a song that makes somebody want to cry. And, uh, because of all that, I owe a lot to that place. And, and I just enjoy spending time down there. If you had a choice between a rodeo farm aid and a beach vibe, Kenny Chesney, Florabama, David Lee Murphy, which one do you pick to play in front of, or do you like all three? I, uh, all three of those, because I, I put on a concert in Alabama that was more like a farm aid called the Back 40 Bash on some of my property. Just moonshine, jar lids as far as I could see. And uh, we've done rodeos. I mean, I, out in Texas, that's just a different feel, you know. But then also, I, I'm, I could go down and when it's not hunting season, I can be a beach bum. I could, I could live down there. I love the beach too, but I also like Chris Ledoux. I like the idea of being in Cheyenne, Wyoming at frontier days and like, like seeing you rock it up there right after the, the rodeo performance that night might be you and George Strait that night, because that just makes sense for country music. That's like Chris Ledoux and, and the, the tearing the last drive in down and Copenhagen angel and co all of the things that go into the rodeo lifestyle. Like you portray that, but you also have that Southern vibe girl on the beach feel and it's all country right that is all country and then you got farming and you got ranching and you got cropland kansas and the prairies and everything that you're experiencing right now like literally you're sitting right in the heartland of america right now and all of that is wrapped up into this music career that that kind of like was was 
brought to you in the Southeast, like you grew up in the Southeast and now you're getting to experience all of these different locales, all of these different influences. It's got to be like the most mind blowing thing to go from 500 seats in Georgia to being in Salt Lake City in front of 20,000 people with Brad Paisley bringing you back out and you guys doing a duo together. I mean, that's just freaking awesome, bro. It's uh, It's been a really, really exciting thing to see how country music and country people are literally everywhere. And, and I didn't know that. I didn't know how rural this part of the country was until I got to travel a little bit and see it. But it's it's just awesome for me to go see that people can relate to things about a small town in Alabama all over the country. It's killer, ain't it? Now, awesome. last last thing before I let you go deer hunting. Do you see people relating more to you as a hunter, fisher, gatherer? Are they are they loving that part of you? I know you're not going to apologize for it. Are you getting any pushback there right now? Have you you know? Are you still battling with that? Have you ever really battled with that, or does it even matter? You're going no matter what. Oh, I'm. You couldn't stop me. I'm going. Uh, I've I've always been the type that I'm not going to try to explain to somebody why I enjoy something or why they should enjoy it. I know when I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, Truman, Arkansas in a, in a, in a blind and it's about 30 minutes before shooting the light and you start to hear, you see, see the sun breaking and you hear some ducks off in the distance and you, you know, you got your coffee sitting there and you're freezing, but it's just enough to warm you up. I know in that moment, that's the right thing I should be doing. That's where I'm supposed to be at. In the same way of here in the woods, waking up in the morning in a bow stand or, or a turkey gobble or whatever it is. And I know that there are moments in every hunt that I've had that somebody would enjoy. Might not be for everybody, but there's a great moment in every hunt that I've ever had that I think translates to anybody. And uh, I'm not going to try to explain to somebody why they should like it. Uh, and I don't really think I have to explain why I like it. But the really great thing about my fans is, is I was that guy from day one. It's not going to change. So I haven't really had a whole lot of backlash. I think it would be different for somebody that didn't and then started. And then, you know, me and Thomas Red had that conversation of, you know, he's from Georgia. He's as country as anybody is. Some of his fans think his music's a little more pop, and he probably has a lot, you know, a lot broader fan base than I do. And some of them are probably not hunters. Some of them may be an anti-hunters. And that's something that he probably deals with. But my thing's kind of like, you, you know what you're going to get when you come to a Rally Green show. And you know what you're going to get when you click on Rally Duckman Instagram page. It's going to be some pictures of ducks and deer and and you know it's just uh as, as long as you're kind of true to who you are i don't think you're going to get a whole lot of backlash for it i love it man i love it you've had some success lately in the woods you're you're working with uh with some luck right now you're going to kansas you're leaving nebraska for kansas are you riding when you're get back to the lodge at night and can we expect new music soon i know you got to go riley i appreciate you being here uh we're definitely uh, got some new. We just cut two two songs. Uh, probably gonna get in the studio and cut another three or four songs. Probably put something out before the end of the year. Probably tie it all together as a full length album. You know, first to next year sometime. I haven't been writing as much as I should probably, but uh, I'm kind of in that. I've always been the big fan of getting a bunch of ideas. Not necessarily trying to write every day, but just every time something comes to my mind, jot it down, leave it alone go back and revisit it one day when I really feel like I've got, you know, some creative juices flowing or or I've got the right person there or whatever it is. I try to go through and see what really jumps off the page at me. So I've been, you know, kind of stockpiling some stuff and I'll probably try to get back to writing here when hunting season winds down. I'm just, I'm pretty mad at the deer right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to chase them around for another few weeks until I 
get that bug taken care of, and then it'll be duck season, and you know how that goes. So, Brent Cobb, this is a personal invite. You don't have to answer if you don't want. Brent Cobb's coming out to hunt with me in California. Um, I won't say dates on here, so nobody knocks down your door. Would you consider coming out, picking around a fire, and hunting with Brent Cobb, and and chilling at a campfire, and seeing some speckle belly geese and mallards do it right? Let's go. I'm sorry. I'm going to send you the dates. All right, send it to me. All right, I, I need to go out again. Last time we went out with different round here. Can we go out with Georgia time today? Because I love it. Or let's do, do you it. mind? No, man, let's do it. Hey, guys, girls, that's Riley Green at Riley Duckman on Instagram. The man, so humble. I, I love having you on here, bro, because it's so enlightening to know that you can be so rooted when you've experienced, and I know a little bit of what you've experienced. I've look look at my life, Riley Green, and when like. I'm not even supposed to know what a duck is being where I'm from. Like I've had so many people say, you ain't from Arkansas. You're not going to know how to, and I'm just like, I am so blessed and humbled to be able to talk to guys like you, call you a friend, have you come on and support our brands and my podcast. And to know that, Man, hey, hard work and vision and just tenacity and treating people the right way can pay off. And that's what you do, man. Your mom and dad and your grandpa and everybody that you envisioned uh, and, and write about and, and keep as part of your crew, your friends, like it's evident, bro. So like the career is so awesome. I congratulate you. And I'm humbled to have you on here, man. Truly, I mean that as a friend. Chad, I appreciate it, buddy. Always good talk to you, man. Yeah, and I want you to send text me a picture of that buck you just uh, put down, would you? All right, I'll send it to you, man. That's Riley Green, y'all. Tom, hit that button. This is Georgia Time by the one and only Riley Green. You've been listening to This Life Ain't for Everybody podcast. Thank y'all so much for subscribing. See y'all next time. She's all Alabama, but she's got a feast stuck in a Georgia clay. And she's got a couple bulldog jerseys, but she's never seen them play. And every time she gets along with me, I see Georgia on her mind. Well, she's all Alabama, but she's stuck on Georgia time.